Hi, I'm Danny. And I'm Damika. And we're biracial unicorns. Yes, we're the favorite song to get stuck in your head. <laughs> Straight up earworm. Right? <laughs> right? That's a thing? Look at me knowing terms. Yes, look at that. That's like, look at you, you way smart girl. It's, uh, <laughs> you like way smart. <laughs> all kinds. Yee all kinds. That's what but we are we are talking about music today and we're actually changing up our format today, aren't we? Yeah, rather than looking at a, a listener question, we actually have a guest today. So mm. we're going to talk a little bit about about their experience as a biracial unicorn and their experience with music specifically. That's been really exciting. We actually we we know him. He's a great musician, he's a songwriter, but he'll introduce himself and tell you all about all the amazing talents he has but before we have him come on we'll play a little snippet of his music this is a a piece from his most recent album wild humans which is both the artist and the album name so here it is Welcome, Julian. We're so glad to have you. Hey, thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. Yeah. Um, do you want to introduce yourself a little? Sure, I can do that. Um, my name is Julian. Uh, I go by Julian Wild as a stage name. And I am a singer-songwriter and recording artist. Uh, I am an engineer and a professional theater artist and playwright. And that's what I do. That's me. <laughs> and so like this so neatly put into totality um it's really awesome to be here for uh for biracial unicorns you are of a mixed background and you are also a very obviously a very talented artist but um before we begin you have to go through the ring of fire that we all have to go through and answer our favorite least favorite question of what are you? Oh, my goodness. Is this not like your favorite question of your lifetime? <laughs> we all love the question, right? We love, I, we love this question. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of programmed responses I have to that question. Yes. 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 <laughs> so many. Um, what am I? Um, I'm a human. Earth. Yeah. Um, Check. I... I have, I'm a mixed race person. I don't think I'm, I'm not quite a biracial unicorn. I think I have too many races. Um, <laughs> I, what are my other program responses? I'm a mutt. You say that to people to yeah. get them to stop asking about it. But, but no, I, you know what, if I'm, if we're really talking about it. So my, my dad is, is biracial. Yeah. My father is African-American and a little bit of Irish and, my mother is Irish and German, very strictly so. And so um, I'm all, all of those things. I love that. <laughs> no, and, and I think that we've talked about it before is that that, that knee jerk reaction where you're saying, oh, you know, black, white, but it's so much more than that, isn't it? And I think people about halfway through get bored or get lost. And, you know, but it's so, but that's what it's the recipe that makes you, isn't it? People really like our, we really like our, clear definitions in our boxes that make sense to us and the and the round peg goes in the round hole and so we want a, a universe around us that's really easy to quantify and i agree with you tamika when when things get complicated beyond maybe two maybe three levels if you're a really invested caring person at that point you realize it doesn't matter to you like what my ethnicity is and then you give up on listening and eyes glaze over and <laughs> <laughs> then we have that awkward interaction of like, oh yeah, it turns out it doesn't matter at all what I am. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Yeah, no, and I feel that, and I think uh, what you're saying, Julian, about those nice, neat boxes. It's always people want those nice, neat boxes, but they also want 
want to be able to put you in those boxes themselves. So I think for those of us who are, are mixed race, it's hard because the way we present doesn't make, like the way we look doesn't make sense to them. So they're like, hmm, where can I put you? And now I'm going to ask you this question. Oh, but it's a really complicated answer. So I can't, I can't handle this. <laughs> oh, I totally agree. It's like you see someone and like they, they're just kind of, kind of funny look i mean like i'm i'm kind of funny looking like i don't mean it like that i mean (laughs) (laughs) i mean that you know (laughs) yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of funny look i got really big eyes i got giant big lips i got a big old nose but then i just i have really pale skin but then i've got a really big afro of hair like someone was just using a q-tip to draw with charcoal on the wall is kind of like what my (laughs) Mm, hair looks like it's just sort of like tufted to the side and so yeah people look at me and, and i get what are you? Yeah. I think if people ask the question of like, you know, you know, what is your background? Are oh, oh, interested like and having that, but it really is that like my brain can no longer compute. I'm really upset about this. You know, I had a picture of myself with my grandmother on the internet and I'm not gonna lie, in person I had a lot of British people trying to figure that one out. Um, they, you know, you could just see the, the the plume of smoke coming from their ears of just trying to do. It looked like a horrific meme of them trying to figure out like how this possibly this German old white woman could have produced a you know a toasted almond grandchild somewhere down. <laughs> you know what I mean? With like all natural curly coils of endless joy. Like they just didn't know how this could possibly happen in their world. So with that, we've been able to talk about where have uh, the blanketed statement of your struggle, where has this been? Has this been a point of contention? Has this been a point of uh, a strife or, or struggle for you dealing with this kind of, you are, you are not, you're both and neither at the same time. Oh man. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've been doing some writing about that lately. I think that there's, uh, there's long and short answers to that. Y- y- yes, there has been struggle. That's the short answer. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the long, the long answer is when I went to school when I was really little, I grew up in the South Valley of Albuquerque. I grew up in a really primarily Hispanic like area and I would go to school and I remember getting beat up because I wasn't brown mm. and the confusion and, um, problems that it caused in the other kids thinking when my dad would come to pick me up and there was this black man coming to pick up this light-skinned child and I remember that it got me teased and I remember that it it thinking back on it as an adult I'm like oh these kids were confused and they were coping with it through humor and kids are really bad at telling jokes so their humor yeah. was hurtful and it was stupid you know, because kids are dumb they're really bad people like they're just you know Oh yeah, they're kind of the, the worst. The, well, they don't have a lot of practice, uh, and <laughs> they don't they don't know how their how their actions and words affect other people. So they're just literally they're just bad people. Uh, they're bad at it. Uh, well, they'll, they they'll get better. They haven't learned empathy yet. It's just like developmentally, they don't understand. Yeah, and and when I was a kid too, like I was thinking these guys are literally the spawn of Satan. But like now, looking back on it. I think like, oh, they were being kids and this is like a natural thing of recognizing when other people are a little different than you. Um, I got a lot of the like, are you adopted question. I got a lot of the being told I was adopted and that Mm. my parents just weren't telling to me or that they were, they were lying to me. I got a lot of that as a bullying note. And my parents actually moved me schools because I hated it there so much. I just got Mm. so much flack. And I got moved into another school district that was a little more affluent, that was a little bit more like all the all the kids that live in the like U at university area and their parents were professors and lawyers and things like that. And uh, there was a little bit more work toward inclusion and like teaching that diversity was a really positive thing there. I think that that was educationally a good step for me. But I did struggle even at that school with uh, with a lot of me not knowing that I was different. I didn't know that my parents were different colors until other kids told me that Mm, I didn't know. I had no idea. Somebody had to like inform me. And then after that, I couldn't get away from the fact that everyone else was observing me. And then it started to grow into this complex of how am I presenting? How do I identify is what I am? Okay. Mm. Was a thought that I had to deal with a lot in process because 
I mean, and going like way, way back on it, my parents, I believe, left Pittsburgh and came to New Mexico because my mother's father didn't approve of her marrying my father mm. because he was black. Mm. There, there wasn't another reason. I actually know that Ted thought that my father was a good guy, but I don't think that he approved of marrying outside your race. And I know that it resulted in a big altercation between he and my father, some sort of driveway argument in the past, but I, but I do. And I, and that story kind of sticks with me, but yeah, there, there was that struggle of having the world inform me of what I was. Which yeah. Was, and <laughs> I, think, I think that happens to a lot of us, right? Like I remember going home at some point in early, early elementary school. It may have even been kindergarten. And after being teased on the playground, going to my mom and being like, am I Chinese? <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't know. Like I didn't know what I was or like I knew I was different than the other kids, but like I didn't know what that really meant i don't know i think it's it's that we're i don't want to say that we're new but we're we're much more we're much more visible the world is kind of crashing into the rest of the world it's harder now to stay isolated culturally or racially or religiously it's really difficult that everything kind of spread out and ran into each other and the borders are are blurring and so i think that (laughs) I was going to call us mutations. I think. I think. That- <laughs> no, I'm, no. People think they think against it, but I'm just like I'm like actually I'm kind of I'm getting a kind of a superhero vibe from that. So uh, I'm, not, you know, I'm not against it, but let's let's run it a few times. <laughs> let's get a panel together. I need to know what the focus groups say about yes, mutations. Are we yeah. strong on it? Are we yeah. shying? I don't know. I definitely uh, want to get that panel going as quickly as possible. So. We're just. We're just kind of, we're kind of X Men. We, no, I mean, yeah, I do, and I do, and I, it's so great that I. You're completely right, Julian. As far as just like just sheer exposure. So when you tell people these stories, I don't know if you have had these experiences. We tell people like, no, we were we were mocked, even though we would have features that would be somewhat diluted because we are mixed. You would think it'd be more palpable towards the culture, but not because we are both and neither. We actually have a lot of just flack and garbage thrown at us of a lot of confusion, but people have a hard time accepting that experience because they look around now. They're like, Oh no, it's really beautiful. It's actually quite desired. It's quite revered. Now you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You're right. I'm making all of this up. This experience is completely false. They're, they're saying like exotic things like exotic and everyone wants mixed babies. And uh, so oh yeah, I know. Well, I know. okay. Well now let's, let's yeah. give them the fact that we are pretty cute. Now, come on. <laughs> We are we may, pretty cute. We, we I mean, to that better. point, though, like to that point, though, Demika. I mean, I, I think I've ranted and raved about this to to anyone who would listen. So I'll rant about it and rave about it to you. <laughs> um, I think it's really interesting that we are the in between, and we are we're not other because we're we're nowhere. And and I I think that we get a, appropriated to whatever message or whatever narrative someone's trying to tell mm. and we get lumped in right like mm. like it really matters to the university i was going to right that i'm mixed race and that i have african blood right like mm. it really it really matters but like at the same time like i i also ne- didn't necessarily feel very welcome at like a bsu meeting mm, say it and i and i and i'm not allowed to own that blackness i'm too light-skinned i'm too white perceiving right and so i was kind of pushed away from any sort of activism which is a lot of that's a lot of where you learn about your culture Mm -hmm. and your past and your people and where you come from and and where and where you can be in the world if you want to choose that is that you meet other people who are trying to fight for their equity you meet other people who are trying to fight for inclusion and and they sort of teach you about things because you can't learn everything from your parents you certainly can't learn everything from public school and then to go there and to kind of be pushed away and say well you're not you're not black so don't don't go do black stuff right but and it's like well the the white kids told me i'm not white either so so where do i belong in all this i think that was a really interesting thing but yeah i think we could appropriate it to either side like if i was needed if they needed bodies like it was nice for me to be there to help out but like when it comes to mainlining it like 
Barack Obama was a black president. Oh, right. You know what I mean? And oh, it's like... Don't, <laughs> oh, don't get me started. <laughs> Team mixed kid. I, I, I'm right? just going to state claim at this one. But Yeah, what, can, can I, we just claim, claim Obama, <laughs> please? He was mixed. He was mixed. He was a mixed race I mean, president. he is mixed. Yeah, he still is. Kurt, Kurt, <laughs> I, I mean, shoot, after the way people treated him, he's just like, he's like, no, uh, Michelle. <laughs> I'm just like, they're going to treat me like a black man. I'm going to start acting like... A black he, man. <laughs> he was super happy about that. He's playing basketball and like mm-hmm. he's doing all of that presidential stuff, man. He's so I love him. I love him, but I just I want him on I want him on my team. Like I want my team to have a hero. Yes. Where's right. our mascot? Like you stop, give him back. But I um thank you so much. Just, no, I thank you so much just for being honest. And I know there are probably some issues in that uh, you've talked about, you said, you know, beating a dead horse. But the thing is, I guarantee who's ever listening, that might be the first time they've actually heard that. And this podcast is not about answers and, you know, damn the man. It's about hearing other people's experiences. So thank you so much for just briefly just trying to share your own experience. And um, But what we really want to talk about is how that particular experience and presently your life how is that going into music? Like how, how did that start? Has music been a, a solace, a gateway an influencer? Where did music play in you as a person? I fell in love with, well, okay. So my father's a musician professionally and that meant that there was music around me since I was an infant. My father's another interesting musical anomaly to, to compound all of the, what we were just talking about into music itself in that my father is a, a biracial man who's black perceiving, who plays kind of bluesy country and Western music. And he moved away from Pittsburgh in 78, landed in New Mexico, which just does not have a very large population of, of people of quite that dark. And there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of created racial tension between black and brown people and i think yeah. that that was somewhat deliberate right um, no totally to to keep <laughs> yeah. you know the status quo and right and I, and so i think that was a really interesting thing for him to get up and get over i think that when he encountered some of that prejudice i think that he did this weird kind of cultural dive to the white side and i think that that always that always affected me too because you know like when you when your dad's when your dad is your main, he's your hero, right? Yeah. When your dad's your hero, you want to be everything like him. But then you're ask, you're answering a lot of hard questions when you go out in the world and you make friends about like, why does your dad not act black? Mm. Why doesn't he play black music? Um, and which is interesting because my dad always played black music around the house. I grew up listening to Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. I grew up listening to Al Jarreau. I mean, I grew up listening to Nina Simone and mm. Ella Fitzgerald. I grew up mm-hmm. listening to a lot of really beautiful black artists, Ray Charles. Um, and even to this day, I was just listening to Janelle Monet before I, I realized that I should be on the phone with you guys and we should be talking <laughs> about this. Um, uh, even to this day, I think that um, personally, I really believe that black music is America's music. Mm. And it's one of the most important things in my life. It's just not stylistically what my hero and my mentor and my teacher chose to create as artwork. Um, My music has an element of soulfulness in it. In a lot of ways, I've been able to use music to explore uh, (laughs) the darker sides of me (laughs) and, and to find some of my spirit and to find some of my voice and to find some of my ethnicity in my own vocal cords in my own body in my own creation in that subconscious in in that way that only a subconscious exploration can can bring fruit so so yeah i I think that's the way that 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 really influenced me i also had my mom playing paul simon in the house and the beatles and i had a whole lot of really great songwriters in my life so the fact that i became a singer songwriter who also makes pretty soulful music makes a lot of sense in me and I can still continue to explore it. But I, like I said, I think your question's fascinating because I was doing some writing on this recently and I realized that I've never written a song about it. Mm. I've never just sat down and penned one. That's like a place you're almost afraid to go. Because I was, I had done forever ago, like a workshop of some like songs and one acts or things that need you about the topic. And I didn't even realize myself. I'm like, ooh, that's a well 
I have not even wanted to tap. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like, now here I am, the, the mother of a mixed race daughter who presents very fair. And it's like, oh man, like, but what is it to her? She needs me to go there. She needs me to tap into this. Do you know what I mean? To really to, to define that and go to that place. So I'm really excited. I hope you continue to kind of just dive into that. I know because the thing is, it's like it's going to be probably, you know, heart shattering. But it's like <laughs> from that, you know, I, I, I'm really excited to see the fruit that's going to come from that. And um, but as a as an artist, yeah. That's like most art, right? It's all heart shattering. <laughs> like you're putting yourself out there in a, a way that's immensely personal and you're putting it out into the world for other people to judge. So naturally it's going to be heart shattering. I feel see like. now, see now this, I got to ask, I see, I got to ask both of you this because now it's got me curious. Oh um, no! <laughs> is this, because I've, this is how I've always felt about this and I've, I've never had this conversation before, which I think is fascinating. I spent, so from my point of view, and I want to know if you feel the same way, I spent so long in my life fighting for the fact that it doesn't matter what my race is, Mm. that now when people ask me to explain it to them or to own it in some way for them, that I shy away from it because I programmed myself to ignore it for so long that now when I, when I want to dwell or create it, you know, so Mm. is that something that you find that you, you were for so long, you just wanted other people to drop the issue? Yeah. Uh, Danny, I don't know if you have this experience. For me, I feel like it's, it's all cyclical for a long time. I was, (laughs) I was in that, that place, Julian, I'm so mixed and I present to something that I'm not even, and people have all these assumptions about me and I get so, so tired of talking about it all the time and having to justify myself to other people. So I definitely feel that, but I think what really did it for me, and, and I recognize that my my situation is is different. Having moved away from from the homeland, from the place where my family is from for several generations, like that was the moment where I really started to recognize and embrace um, some of my culture, at least on my mother's side, like all of the Latina Chicana roots. It was that distance. Once that distance was created, I felt. I felt comfortable taking on that identity because I I realized how much a part of me it was. I think Mm. up until that moment, I didn't realize I had that same sort of feeling like I'm just a person. I'm just a normal person. I'm just a person in this society. Right. But then I, I started to recognize how my experience actually was different. And I started to feel comfortable identifying in that way. Oh, that's really interesting. I, uh, I do, like I said, this is from uh, Dr. Eric Mason that's got pastor in Philadelphia. He talked about racial fatigue. And so I think, <laughs> I, no, seriously, yeah. I think that's what no, you're talking about. Thing. That's a great term. No, no, you got to read his stuff, like seriously. And he, he was right on point as far as like, I think a lot of people right now are suffering racial fatigue. And I definitely, I, I definitely do get that, especially, you know, the things I think we all have in common, the things we're interested in in the, in the arts. Pickens are slim as far as tones and shades and backgrounds and in flavors. Sometimes, you know, you do meet amazing characters, but for me, the things I was into either improv or theater in my circle, I just got tired of just being different and feeling different. And so if I can just meld into a kind of neutrality, I'll have a little bit of peace, but I definitely think like being over here and being actually quite intimidating, uh, intimidated that people here from you know i'm from uganda or zimbabwe or nigeria like so when they ask me what i am they really mean it they want to know where i have come from in africa and i'm like homie i don't know like (laughs) seriously but it's very intimidating and if it's for me it's like going into that and how do you go about that when i feel so far removed from that Mm -hmm. in so many different ways you know like my dad's family is like deep south south carolina but i didn't i went to visit but i didn't grow up there then you know grew up in new mexico and travel now i'm in europe and it's uh how do you tap into that that is a really interesting question dang you julian just be a guest man yeah hey man No, no, but I I feel that too, Mika, like on the other side, right? Because we're talking about all of our identities. 
I often get recognized when I'm outside of New Mexico for being Native American, but I'm so disconnected from that part of my heritage. Like, I don't even know how to how to talk about it. Don't feel comfortable claiming it. But that's the thing, right? Like you go out and you have like a conversation. And now, I mean, I, actually, Danny, I really feel what you said because I honestly haven't given any thought to my more immediate heritage, which is that like I'm a New Mexican person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, until I moved away. And after I moved away, all of a sudden it was like, well, this isn't the food I like to eat. Right? Where's mm-hmm. the food I like to eat? Like, where's the things I like to do? Where's the yeah. sights and sounds and smells of, of my culture that I'm used to? And I, and I think that shock after a while starts to create um, these expressions of you of expressing the culture from within you as well. And I'm not in the least, you know, like I was, a, I'm a first generation New Mexican. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not something that was my parents' traditions. My house was very different from that. Those were all learned things that I got from friends and community events, things like that. But then you move away, right? And then, and now I'm in Washington, D.C., which I can echo what you said, Mika, that it's a very international city. Yeah. Um, every, when you see, when you see folks in this city, yeah. <laughs> it could be Eritrea and it could be Philadelphia and you don't know. Um, in a lot of ways, I think that actually creates a, a more healthy dialogue about oh, it because there's so much diversity that ev- the way everyone approaches it is is healthier than white black, which I, th- I think is really great. Then, but then you're sitting at a table with people who are these are the POCs, like these yeah. are the people who are intelligent, master's degree, uh, slam poet, uh, just very vocal, very much. They've been processing all of this. Um, they, they're much. Their, their, their racial fatigue comes from the fact that they've been doing racial CrossFit mm-hmm. for, <laughs> for, for some time now. And then I'm sitting there and they're like, POCP okay, now what do you 90. think? <laughs> exactly. POCP90X. <laughs> and you're sitting there and you're like, oh my God, I'm just me, right? Like I don't, yeah. I don't feel so strongly black or so strongly white or I don't feel strongly Irish. I don't, some people do like in Boston, but but I, I have this feeling like I get this imposter syndrome thing mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. when I'm sitting there having that conversation because it's like, once again, I feel like I'm not black enough to talk about this or I'm, I'm not, but I'm not white enough to be on the outside looking in at this because I still experience the microaggression. I still experience the, the otherizing. Right. But then I'm getting otherized from all sides. There's very few of me. There's very few of me. I was looking, I, th- I think there's like just a little over 2 million of me in the United States, like racially. Your thoughts about imposter syndrome are spot on, right? I think Mm -hmm. because we have to do the extra work of justifying why we like that we are what we are and the mix that we are because people look at us like you don't automatically fit into either group so it it, it takes more explanation to be to be a member of the in group and even then it's not it's not really <laughs> like you're I know I had to write a thesis to get in did you guys <laughs> No. <laughs> I actually I got a hood ticket from birth. It was interesting. <laughs> it was passed down. <laughs> I know. It's it's a it is a really interesting fact. No artist likes doing this. Especially with like with this one and now having this really new influence of being in DC. How would you define your music? Do you hate that question? Yes. Do you hate that em- question? Yes, emphatically. Isn't that but, crazy? But everyone wants to know because once again, they want to put that in like in a box, like particularly because a lot of the boxes have the little asterisks of like this is white music or oh. this is yeah, black exactly. music. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So non-white like, Hispanic music. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know what? I will answer your question with a fun little story. No, um, I'm, I'm for uh, it because I hate this question, but I have. But I want to talk about your music. But I'm like, I have to ask the question. I have to. I think you should. I, I think that you're well within your right to do so. I think it's an important question because if we're not talking about, if I'm not talking about music, then what am I talking about? Honestly, because it's, it's the thing I know about. So I should be asked about that thing. How do I? How do I define my music? If I was being very 
I'm being laughed at right now inside of my own home, just so you know. And it's, it's because I'm waffling with this question because I, I'm thinking deeply about it because I want to give you an honest answer. I promise. No, and I want it. <laughs> and the, the worst part is I'm going to ask you a follow-up question to the very description because I'm the worst. So I'm excited. And I was just, I'm distracted because Estrellita, who is my partner, uh, is microwaving taquitos right now. And... <laughs> I feel like this is like a common thread, at least with me and, Vita, and now you is yes. like, are we're so easily distracted by food. Oh, we gosh. are. Everything's about I, food. I know, oh, but, I, I, mean, but I love it that we're in corners of the world, different corners. And I'm like, I've got guacamole in my refrigerator right now. You've got taquitos. Uh, Danny, I know you're working on some tacos somewhere. I know there's some tortillas somewhere right now waiting for some honey in your house right now. Oh, I know for fact. Oh, it's the truth. They smell great. I actually just opened a jar of guacamole and there's taquitos be. It's 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 going down. Just so you know, <laughs> over here. Um okay, but serious serious, I'm serious. We're very serious talking about music. Okay, I will answer your question just because I love you. Um Thank you. I would define my music as a a singer-songwriter who is who's exploring i i think that that's how i would i would define it i create music very physically and spatially but i like i like do it with really sparse instrumentation so um what i mean by that is when i approach a song i like to think of a song as a block of silence and i like to think of each voice uh, or instrument or element what have you as as a, a piece of the silence that I'm destroying in a mm. pattern. Right. Mm. And so if I have one element, which is, and, so, and sometimes one voice can be multiple elements. So I, I play a six string steel acoustic guitar and it's very, it has, it has, uh, my music has a lot of Western vibe to it because I'm from New Mexico. I think that we drink in the place that we're from, yeah. that we spend a lot of time through our skin and our eyes and all of our senses. And I think it comes back out as artists. I think there's just a way that you get a authentic Western feel from music that comes from people who are from there and who that's in their heart. Um, so there is this Western underlying feel in the way that I use harmonies, which has a lot of its origins with African rhythms and with Irish folk melodies. And so it is, it is a type of folk music no matter what, but I, I think about this block of silence and I create a slash through it with a guitar and I create another shape in it with a voice. And those two things are interacting. Um, and, and that's, that's the essence of the song that I create. And so um, it's the element of, of voice, it's the element of guitar. And then there's also an added, very human, very Western element of me singing in English and having prose and, and lyrics that sort of give us another layer of meaning. But for the most part, I personally feel like lyrics are an afterthought in my process. I, I like to create the whole mood in the whole world. And I like to really create what I'm feeling sonically. And then once I know the pattern of how the voice is coming out of me naturally singing along to this pattern over time, uh, words will start to pop into the, to fill the gaps in the phrases. And that's where the meter really starts to come together. So that's, that's what, that's what I do in essence. And then when I make a record, I, I like to make it, um, much bigger than that. I like to have a lot more elements going on. I like to play a lot more with space, uh, and physicality. So if you put headphones on and you listen to, my album that is out right now uh, yes. worldwide uh, it's called wild humans um, is both the artist and the name of the record. And it's just 10 tracks of sensory stimulation that I hope that you would enjoy. I, I took a lot of time filling up the silence with all these elements and then, mm. uh, and then I stripped them away really big swatches out of the audio to leave this wonderful feeling of silence that gives this almost this suspense as you're listening to it. I used a lot of organs and keyboards to, to help fill some of that and make you feel like you're just sort of riding on the music as you listen to it. It's got a very undeniable forward feel to it all the way through. So if you listen to that, you'll kind of hear, hear what I mean. I, I created something really busy and then you can hear where just now I just took a big, I just took one of the instruments and deleted it. And physically that almost creates this empty hole in the listener mm. and it gets you to feel almost the wanting to fill it. And it gets you to feel the wanting that I was intending as, as an artist to wanting to try to communicate. Um, so that's what I mean in, in that I do it 
very physically. And I hope that that answered your question in some respect, because boy, did I go on a tangent. (laughs) Oh, no, no, actually, it's really, you know what, you know, what's really creepy about that is that, like, my follow up question, what I really want to ask you was, what would be if you're talking about your music, could you put it in a form of an opening paragraph of a novel instead? Because I feel like that would describe music so much better in a genre if you had to describe it as it was the first paragraph in your novel of your life and what you're doing and what the life of your band is doing. But you kind of naturally did that about someone who was on a journey, huh? Yeah. (laughs) You were touching on what you want to evoke in your audience. I guess I'm just wondering, like, who do you see in your mind as your target audience? Like, who who are you hoping to reach with your music? Did you work on this album with, like, a an audience in mind? That's a great question. I like that question. No, and it, it deliberately, no. My audience is a very fuzzy character in my head. In a lot of ways, much to my chagrin sometimes, but also to to my benefit, as far as authenticity goes, a lot of times I, I write a song imagining myself as the listener. Mm-hmm. And I do that because I like the music I listen to. Mm. I really like my influences. I really like the other artists, contemporary and, and from the past that that influence me, that, that provide this running soundtrack to my life as I go around. And so I like to imagine me opening a package this is, you know, I'm dating myself now because this is when I fell in love with music, but I'm picturing me opening a <laughs> CD package, which for the kids out there was a weird thing. You had to go to Sam Goody to buy in the mall Yikes, in the not 2003. The <laughs> and they were so expensive. Oh, they were t- like $20. And now, just, what, and now where are they? And they now are broken. Are they? they don't, my computer doesn't even have a CD drive anymore. Um <laughs> I just and I made so much fun of people when they would talk about cassette tapes as being obsolete, and I'd be like, "Ah, oh, you're old." And now CDs are like cassette tapes somehow are now are cooler than CDs. CDs dropped beneath that. Like the jokes on me, but you know, but I picture myself opening that package of my artwork, you know, my my physical artwork on the outside, opening it up, seeing a CD, putting it into the CD player in my Mazda RX-7 that I drove in high school uh, that I crashed, that I missed. It was a beautiful car. I shouldn't have been driving it. I was too young. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're working it all out. We're not leaving anything un- untouched. I'm like, who hurt you? What relationship oh. do you think damaged your soul? <laughs> Good thing. We're, we're just going to like, with a machete in this one. Well, I got this dog when I was five. <laughs> No, so uh, I picture myself being that artist popping it in a CD player and then I picture myself sitting and listening to it uh, or driving and listening to it or doing dishes and listening to it. The one thing that's interesting about that is that uh, you evoked this this very clear vision in my head, Danny, of who my audience was. And I looked out and I saw an auditorium full of me at different times in my life over the last two and a half years. Mm at all these different moments where I was listening to it at various stages of completion and making choices and all of the notepads I filled up with notes and all the times I pulled over to the side of the road to make one because I had a a big idea or on a run at sunset, like listening to this thing, like I was in all of these different times and places of my life. And each one of those me's is the audience that this was really tailored for. Mm -hmm. I am not a pop writer. I do make pop music because I think if you, if you sing a song and play guitar that you're, you're kind of making pop music, you shouldn't fool yourself. (laughs) But, but I, I don't, I don't make pop music with pop sensibilities. And that is to say, I want to reach as many people as humanly possible. And therefore I need to adjust my writing process to make this relatable content. Um, I want, I'm, I'm searching for truth, not necessarily fame. Mm. And I, and I think that that truth is, is from within me. If other people resonate with a part of that, it's wonderful. I hear that. I think that that's, that's really interesting, this idea of truth versus popularity, because I think it's so much music. The music industry is such a mystery to me. <laughs> the way that <laughs> what what is popular now? I mean, first of all, how do you even define popular music today when things Girl, are like, don't we know. don't have those like touchstones, right? Like when we were teenagers, I feel like there were certain touchstones that everybody knew. Everybody knew this artist, even if you didn't like their music, right? Because we all listened to the radio and we all like were aware of these things. There are less of those now because the world seems so 
so much bigger and so much smaller because of the internet. So easy to share things and to find things that are more suited towards you as an individual rather than just consuming anything that is popular. So I I find the music industry to be like very confusing because it's, it's less about just the music and it's more about Mm -hmm. about like the whole the whole package and and musicians themselves are seen as a commodity so it's not even just what they create but it's also the whole package so I'm wondering what you think about that Julia this whole idea of not only is it your music but it's also the selling yourself as as an artist what are your thoughts oh my god girl that is (laughs) that is extremely poignant oh my god well, I know we um, were talking about it beforehand and we were just like, because we were talking about the importance of media, not just sound, you know, we're getting, we want to know the person on top of it. Like it used to be, we'd get the words of the song and you can, you know, interpret it from there, but we want that. We want to, you know, have YouTube videos dissecting the song and the person and what they wear, and what they do. It's not just the music's not enough. It just isn't anymore. We have to consume the person as well. Boy, that's so true. Uh, you guys are talking about this on way higher of a level than I even experienced it because it, it uh, and, uh, and let me, and, and maybe not, like I'm on the ground and like, maybe you guys have this perspective on it that I don't, because I, I feel like I am like neck deep in the idea of what Danny, you were just talking about and what you echoed to me. Cause like, okay, so check this out. I spent thousands of hours making a recording and all of those me's that I was talking about sitting in the auditorium that were listening to me, that were the audience, all those different moments in my life where I was listening to it outside of the time I was writing it, workshopping it outside of the time I was recording it, making it, teaching it to other people, playing it for other people in gigs, all of, all of those hours, thousands and thousands and thousands of hours, literally just like a couple of years of my life, all of my creative energy went into making this thing. And then you make the thing and then you realize, oh my God, this thing's really good. And then you sort of like look up from the grindstone mm. and you're like, hey world, look at this thing I made. And it's glowing and it's golden. It's there in your hands and you're so proud of it. And the world hasn't been watching you make the thing. Mm, Right. All that they know is that this dude showed up with the thing. And they're like, okay, he showed up with a thing. Tell me what the thing's about. And you're like, well, can't you just listen to it? And they're like, I I don't have a lot of time, actually. Like, I got a lot going on. I got multiple kids. I got a life. I got a family. You know, I I have a job. I can't can't just listen to your thing. Like, tell me about your thing a little bit because I sell it to me. And you realize that your job changed. Mm -hmm. You have a new job now. And it's to present the thing and it's to present yourself. I can talk about music, creativity. I can talk about audio design. I can talk about songwriting. I can explicate my own lyrics and my own poetry. Uh, and I can go into it in that way. But that, that that's because that's the thing that I'm really good at. When somebody asks me, okay, we need to make a video. I'm like, why do I need to make a video? I just made an album. It took all the money and time that I had. <laughs> Now you want me to pick one song out of these 10 and you want me to make a video and that video all of a sudden is more important than the thing you yeah, made. Yeah, well, that video uh, <laughs> defines you. It does. Like right. that, that's why they, you know, this is the forerunner. You just had to pick your favorite child. You had to pick your favorite thing out of all the things that you just loved and put all the emphasis on because it seems like it's more important to sell you first to get to the thing that you actually worked. Yeah. Or, and you and you have to sex it up too. Yeah, like you can't yeah. like you have to take you have to like take your kid and like put makeup on it and a dress mm. and like make it dance. Like it's really it's kind of a You're gross just process. You're a pageant mother at this point. <laughs> <laughs> like, just smile, big babies. No, no, but 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 I feel like it's exactly what you're saying, Julian. Of not wanting to choose your favorite is why I think there are more and more artists who are putting out whole concept movies that are just one continuous video based off of the entire album. Yeah. Because it's so hard to pick out and distill that one little bit. But we live in this culture that wants everything in like twenty second snippets. Yeah. Oh, and I already cut it. (laughs) (laughs) I already cut it. Like a lot. It was 16 songs. I cut six of them off. Oh, it must have been like a limb. That had to be like an actual body part. I had already recorded the whole songs. They were already produced. I ended up releasing those six songs as an EP as like a thank you for your patience while I do this thing. Right. So like that's that's on like like that's the To Be Human EP. Once again, shameless plug for wild humans on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, wherever you get your music worldwide available to be humans EP. Uh, but no, I, I made the to be humans EP 
as basically like I can't just cut these songs. I have to release them. Mm. I like them too much. Mm. Um, and the other ones were getting this remix and this rewrite and this this whole other part of the artistic process that wasn't planned but ended up being really necessary for me to be happy with what I was making. And yeah, then it's done. It's actually, it's really good. I can't tell you guys like how this is exactly what I wanted it to be. This is, it's to me, it's like my baby's perfect. Um, and then I, and then the world's like, well, if you give us eight hundred dollars we promise somebody will hear it (laughs) (laughs) like that's the next that's the next move and it's like i already spent all my money making the thing it took all my work this is the art i do and so i i guess i'm realizing this circling back to like the original question now i'm realizing that not only do i have to make the thing Uh and be authentically good as an artist but also there needs to be a, a brand there needs mm-hmm. to be a sales angle. There needs to be a presentation, uh, not just in live show, but in video. And it needs to be congruent and it needs to be clean and professional. And those those kind of things are expensive and they require more than one person, right. which is a little bit difficult. Uh, this was me like doing my Orson Welles where I just like get in there and I'm the only one who's allowed to touch the film and I clip it all together <laughs> in a perfect movie. And then I want to show it to everybody. But then there's there's other people who are good at public relations right. who are good at sales who do the radio shows who are who do press like people who run podcasts who might be gracious enough to like have you yak at them and, the, and their audience you kind of have to jump into it and decide do i have a persona do i have a brand do i need to keep my looks a certain way do i need to write down what i'm going to say about this is my bio congruent do i have an elevator pitch am i competitive um, it's all these words and emotions that you never want to associate with art in your heart when when you're making it all of a sudden become a really like the most important thing to you because if you don't do those things and put this out there it's never gonna help you have a career in it it's always Mm -hmm. gonna be something that you do when you're done with your day job and so if you really want to be good at it now you kind of have to you have to pimp out your baby because it's like are you doing it for yourself or are you doing it to put it out into the world and unfortunately you can't just be like well i made this thing it's out in the world it'll happen (laughs) (laughs) i did my part that isn't the way the world works (laughs) you actually have to raise that child you have to take it to school i know do its lipstick just right for it (laughs) not freak out when it dies it's hair blue yeah Um, yeah, we've been talking for a bit, so I think it's probably we're getting close to to wrap up time. But I just want to throw one more thing out there for you, Julian, for any other people of color or mixed race people who are interested into getting into different genres of music, putting themselves out there in that way. Do you have any advice for them? Stop doing things that don't help you Mm. something that's very real that's wrapped up into my process right now it's something i'm meditating on on a daily basis it's something i'm just i know that's sort of like a a cuckoo spiritual word and i don't want to make anybody stop listening to me because of it because i'm not crazy i am just crazy enough to know that the thing that's stopping you from doing the thing that you want to do you're you're the person standing in front of you like Mm. you have to you have to remove yourself and you have to do it. You you know what to do, even you especially know the parts of it that you need to do because they're the parts that you least probably want to do mm. and hold yourself accountable to those things that you don't want to do, but you know, you need to do and just get them done and get them out of the way and grind at them. If you're living your truth, if you're an artist and you hear a song in your head when you're walking around and then uh, you start humming it, and then you start realizing that it's not a song that you've heard. It's a song that you're creating. Mm-hmm. And however that translates into an instrument you play, into your voice, into a recording you've made, into a performance you want to put on, into a book you're writing, whatever you want to do, I would highly recommend that you take a look at what you're doing. Just keep track of what you're doing for a little while with your time and mm-hmm. start to identify things that don't help you and oh, and say, okay, this good. is something that doesn't it doesn't help. Like, so I, I need to cut it out and they're probably going to be the easiest, most expensive, most fun things that you think that you do, but, but they're, but it's really important to, to go after the hard stuff because you, you know, you know what you need to do. 
get out there and do it. I believe in you. I know that you can kick some butt and and make the thing that you want to make. Cause I, I believe in myself. I know I'm going to do it. So I want you to do it with me. That's what I would say. Oh, my heart strings. <laughs> <laughs> we usually talk about some heavy things, but it was nice that you kind of ended on something like hopeful and inspirational, yeah. but we Beautiful. always like to end our episodes talking about a happy place. Maybe Damika, do you want to start it off? What's your happy place this week? <laughs> Well, it's, I, I'm a fanatic for uh, folk or bluegrass covers of songs. Like I said, like um, I believe in a thing called love. There's a, a folk cover that I absolutely enjoy. Or um, well, what's another one that I really love? Oh, anything that's a hardcore rap, you know, like Gin and Juice or California. Like I love anything that is supposed to be in one and gets distorted and twist uh, and put into another genre. It brings me so much happiness. I have several mixes of different music that have been kind of you know, revived and revisited and look through, um, look through a different lens, really a different kind of filter, if you would, uh, just because of being played differently. I love it. I, what was it? Someone, a guy group did a Christina Aguilera song and it literally gave me life. Like it brought me back from the dead and I wasn't mad about it. So <laughs> it was, uh, I was, uh, that, that's my happy place. It brings me much, much joy since we're talking about music and stuff. I do love, I love a, a good cross genre cover. <laughs> in high school, my favorite thing in the world was punk covers of pop songs. And I just, oh my goodness, <laughs> scored the internet trying to find all of the punk covers <laughs> of pop songs. And it was like my favorite thing. <laughs> Who didn't love that? I mean, hit me baby one more time done in like a punk fashion that that had to give you like it just gets you like amped you're like oh i could totally do geometry now like I'm oh my ready. god damika damika <laughs> you need to i'll send it to you on facebook i'm working on a a, a slow folk cover kind of iron and wine-esque sounding cover yes of sugar we're going down by fallout <gasps> boy Shut your whole face. Because first of all, I don't even care. I'm the, I love Fallout Boy, and I'm pronouncing it to the world. Whatever, <laughs> think of me what you will. Like I'm already on the thin ice as far as my blackness goes. We've already <laughs> talked. About I don't care if I fall through because if the lead singer of Fallout Boy comes out and tries to hit me up right now, like I'm happy in my marriage, but I would think about it. Like oh I don't. Oh my god. I I, I would be like care. hide my music playlist. Do not show them all the Sufjan Stevens that I listen to I, on a I, no, no, no. This is a whole. We have to have you back again. We have to talk about what's black music and white music because you're not taking my Jim Croce from me. You're not. You're just not gonna. Okay. Neil Diamond's very important to me. But, I hide the fact that I have Dave Matthews on. Uh, my as you should. Oh, as you should. No. No, Danny, I thought we were a match made in heaven. You see why, Damika? You see why? Because if you don't love Dave Matthews, no, you just I, hate Dave Matthews. Yes. No, <laughs> the cilantro I, of recording artists. No, no, because the thing is cilantro, uh, it just tastes soapy and I could deal with it. Dave Matthews, though. <laughs> what? Oh, no, what? the songwriting stands up. Oh, no. 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 Not only does it stand up, it like, it trans, like, it, it, it just like, it just gets better with age. Like his songwriting is wine. Uh, is wine. Like, oh, so good. That song, so Stay good. or I just learned one of his songs. That song, Stay or Leave, off of his solo album. Did you? Oh, no. I just learned it because it's a beautiful. Oh, song. did you have you? Um, you have to do Grave Digger because I did like an all drum version of Grave Digger, and um, yeah, it's it's so so. It just gets you right there. Sorry, Dan. Whatever. You're both dead you. to I me. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I just came out of the Dave Matthews closet, oh. and now I'm receiving hate. I, I like you guys a ton. You guys feel free to have me on your podcast anytime I would be there. Okay, what, so now we put you on the spot. Do you – oh, I got Danny. You didn't say your happiness. You just were just talking about – Punk, punk goes pop. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Um, no, my my happy place this week. I'm gonna go with a book. I'm a I'm a very like vivacious reader. I love love reading. Um, mm. This is this Ooh. is my sixth book of the year so far. Yes, girl. Yeah, I, I always read at least fifty books every year. It's like girl. a goal I have every year. This book is is a happy place, but also a depressing place. <laughs> 
It'd be weird if it wasn't. Right. I feel like that's me every every week. I'm like, this is my happy yet depressing place. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a book called How Not to Get Shot and Other Advice from White People. Um <laughs> oh, Danny. Oh. Danny. Yeah. Oh my yeah. life. <laughs> oh. So so it's written it's written oh. by by a black man, a, a comedian activist, and it's it is both a happy place and and a sad place, right? Because it's like one of those, I'm just going to laugh through the pain of this world that we live in. Mm. But but it's like, it's really, really sarcastic and, and kind of wonderful. Ooh, girl. Oh my I just, goodness. I mean, I love sarcasm I, and I love stuff that speaks truth, even if it's hard truth. No, Amen. no. Yeah, go ahead, girl. And that, but that's challenging, isn't it? And I do. It's good. Sometimes happiness can be challenging. Look at you. You read fifty books I a do, year, yeah, <laughs> at least. Yeah, I don't even have that many showers. I'm that's reading. Ridiculous. I'm reading this book right now that is um, that's like a twelve hundred page long book, but it's a fantasy series. It's by Brandon Sanderson. It's the the third book in the Stormlight Archives. It's the Oathbringer, and boy, it's really really good. But I was just trying to think of it. It's, it's a really long book. Mm. You're not reading like thousand page books. Are you reading crazy big um, books? Um, I read kind of a variety. I try to mix it up. I'm also reading one Q eight four. I don't know, like, is that what you call it in English? It's a, a Murakami book. Um, and it's like, mm. that book is long. <laughs> that book is real, real long. <laughs> I, I keep feeling like, oh, I just started it. And I'm on like page like 300 or something I'm like oh. it's just like barely do you something. have like your do you have like your reading you should put like your reading list up on the on the biracial unicorn site so people can read yeah, along i mean oh yeah, that maybe would be I great should. or just read in general <laughs> been like unicorns you gotta be educated too you just can't be pretty <laughs> <laughs> back those looks up with some knowledge I know. <laughs> and I will bring recipes because that's all I have to offer this world. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> Does that mean that – do I have to tell you what my happy yes, place is now? Yes, now it's your turn. Yes. What's your happy place? Yes, it is. <sighs> What's your happy place? Oh, shoot. Okay. My happy place this week mm. is um, these – this rash of uh, documentaries, uh, or rather just the, this sort of documentary style coverage of um, unlikely animal friends yes. that is sweeping the internet. Uh, yeah. I just, I see them. I don't want to be that like touchy feely person that tries to get everyone to watch this video of how like a duck is in love with a dog, but I actually kind of am. <laughs> it just, it makes me super happy when like a deer and a golden retriever nose boop or like the dog raised the deer in captivity or something crazy like that. I learned that there's a lion and a tiger and a bear that were raised in, no. uh, they literally like, like the, 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 the big three from the whiz and bears the big the those those exact ones like they were raised in some private dude who shouldn't have had them like some guy who shouldn't have had them <laughs> right some rich right? Like, guy right they're, they're like they're like in someone's swimming pool just hanging out like and so i guess they were like raised from pups little together and now they still as grown animals like play together so like oh. i just that's that's my that's my happy place right now is that like you can go and see unlikely animal friendships and it it shows me how uh, beautiful the universe can be. It also shows me how kind of ridiculous everything is yes. and how silly life can be, which I think helps me to like just laugh and blow off some steam and like look up at the sky and be like, oh my god, none of this really matters. I don't have to be anxious <laughs> about it. Like it's okay. There's a swan in love with a platypus. Everything's fine. <laughs> And now we've come up with a T-shirt that we're going to start selling. <laughs> merch, merch, merch. Thank you, Julian. We'll get you in that cut because I already see it in my mind. And I am, I am instantly happy. Like, And Danny already likes to listen to ghost stories in yeah, the that tub. Yeah, that was, that was like my happy place when we was listening to ghost stories in the tub. Yeah. And so we're already kind of like racking them up. And I'm really – and mine was like drunk crooners Christmas carols. So it's like we're, we're really racking them up. And I'm really happy about that. <laughs> as many happy places as we can get don't no. we yes <laughs> always well thanks again julian it's my absolute pleasure danny thank you yes everyone please go listen to his music i really really enjoyed it it, it literally it gives you the vibe of you're on the street like listening to a street performer with backup and it is it is really enjoyable and um for those who are mixed background like give support and um and feel supported 
this is an exciting time to be in and uh, yeah, support, support your artists. All right. So if you have any topics you'd like us to cover or you have questions you'd like mm-hmm. us to address or if anything came up from this episode or you have any follow-up questions for Julian, yes. please drop us a line and let us know. We'll definitely get them to Julian if it's for him specifically or if you have a question for us, we'll address it possibly on an upcoming show. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You can reach us via email. We're biracialunicorns at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Facebook or Instagram. We're at biracialunicorns on both of those things. Uh, yes, we want to thank uh, Joseph Scott of Citizens of Tape City for our intro and outro music. We also want to thank Dolly Pop Art for our amazing art. Follow them both. And also, please follow uh, Wild Humans as well. Yeah, just so much fun, wasn't it today, Danny? It was. It was. It was different. Hopefully, that that different format worked for you as an audience. Like, drop us a line. Let us know what you thought. Should we have yeah. more guests on? Should we have more guests? We will go through all the technology hoo ha to have more guests if y'all like it. <laughs> Three time zones. <laughs> Three different time one zone. recording. Yes. I don't I want them to actually I, I wanted them to appreciate it. That's why I had to drop it at the end. But <laughs> 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 we'll see you lovely unicorns in whatever time zone you're in. Peace. Out. Peace.